Hello and welcome to the Urban Health Podcast, keeping busy city executives and entrepreneurs over 40 empowered and healthy. I'm Stephanie Webster. I'm a nutritional therapist on Harley Street, London, specializing in gut health, hormone optimization therapy, and fat loss. And I have a 12-month program, and my clients optimize their health, lose fat, build muscle, and they get their gut in order, particularly because I have ulcerative colitis, and I tend to attract those sorts of clients. But today, to talk about a topic which has been uh, on my radar for some time, we have a vegan, plant-based PT, Mr. Adam Stansbury, on the show. Adam is a personal trainer. Hey. You... Sorry? Oh, hello. Hey. I'm going to continue. <laughs> I'm going to continue with your uh, introduction and then we'll get you on. So, Adam oh, no, is a no, personal trainer, nutrition coach, public speaker, and former fitness model who specializes in body transformations for men and women using a plant-based diet. Situated in London, he offers one-to-one coaching as well as online support, very useful for those of you who travel, using his own personalized app, delivering training programs and nutritional support wherever you are. He has been training himself for over 20 years and personal training since 2009 and has been a vegan personal trainer since 2014. I'm so, so excited. Adam, tell me, tell me about the similarities in our journey to health. Um, well, I guess I've just knowing about you, you suffer from ulcerative colitis. So um, I, I had ulcerative back in 2005, 2006. Um, I was diagnosed and was on anti-inflammatory steroids for about six months um, before I had a, um, an emergency operation to remove a blockage. Um, and I was given a colostomy bag for about six to eight months, um, after which I had a big operation that ultimately um, led to them removing my large intestine. Um, unfortunately, I didn't know then what I know now about nutrition and health and wellness. Um, and the disease kind of had, had got so bad it hadn't obviously it wasn't caught earlier on early enough and the disease got too bad and um, and they had to operate on me they ultimately removed my large intestine recreated my um, my large intestine doing an operation called an internal pouch where they looped the small intestine back on itself um, and um, reconnected me back in 2007 and I've been really healthy ever since um, so that was a big part of my sort of my journey um, into all of this. Yeah. So um, about, that, that's about uh, two, two, two years later. I um, I became a personal trainer, two thousand and nine. So that's really interesting because I I was told you, um, Stephanie, you're going to need to have a colostomy bag, and I was quite a defiant, rebellious sort of running out of hospital sort of uh, person, and. Um, they didn't manage to pin me down <laughs> enough to, to, to do that. <laughs> Intuitively, I knew it wasn't the answer. I just didn't have any answers um, until I found yeah. nutrition. So it, looking back, do you think that if you knew more about nutrition, you would have had, you could have avoided some of those procedures? Um, uh, only to a point. So when I was, when I was, so I had, um, I'd gone through quite a lot of uh, it was a lot of financial stress early in 2005, um, and that was really what had caused the problem in the first place, the, the stress. Um, and there'd been a, I'd 
been away on a modelling job at the time and I got I think I got some kind of bacterial infection from food that I'd been eating um, and as soon as I came back from this from this job in Spain um, it was about May 2005 I started to get really really bad diarrhea and then it just it basically progressed in terms of it became black and then I started bleeding um, and I went back and forth to the local GP about four times and um, every time I was sent away from the GP with a new pharmaceutical um, to, to try and fix the problem, you know, you know the standard sort of stuff. And uh, I knew deep down that what they were giving me wasn't going to fix the problem, but I just didn't have the resources and the knowledge at the time to sort of do anything about it. Um, I then, it wasn't until about a month, uh, it was probably about six, six to eight weeks later, I actually got to see a specialist. So you're kind of looking from May until I think I saw the specialist in probably August time. And I think in which time quite a lot of damage had been done um, up until that point. And then from August after getting diagnosed until January when I was operated on, I was on anti-inflammatory steroids. So, so yeah, I think up until probably up from, from about May until the end of the year, if I'd have known what I know now about nutrition and stress and, and everything, then I think I could have prevented it progressing to the level it got to. But when they had to operate on me in January, there was, there was kind of no going back at that point. It, it actually created a blockage in my large intestine. Um, with uh, It caused uh, what they call polyps, so little flaps of skin that hang down through all the ulcerations in the, in the large intestine. Um, and it just created this kind of bunch of great blockage that nothing could get through. And I, my, my, I became very ill. My stomach got very distended. And there was kind of, um, there was no way back at that point. So, yeah, I, I wish I knew knew then what I know now. And, uh, and I think I could have prevented it. I certainly, certainly in the very early stages of going back and forward to the GP, I think if I'd switched to a more plant-based approach, if someone had started talking to me about stress, what was going on in my life and, you know, all these sort of things, then, um, yeah, it would have made a big difference if I think if I'd had um, access to like a functional medicine practitioner or a specialist at the time. Um, but, you know, I was on, on the flip side of that, I was super, super lucky to be in London. So I went to Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital and um, I had an amazing surgeon who's a... Um, who's the kind of pioneer, one of the pioneers in this kind of surgery. Um, and, yeah, I'm very lucky to – got a very good team of people um, there, ultimately, who, who looked after me. And, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm also very lucky as well that my – had a good family, good amount of support around me to help me recover, um, and also that my body ultimately ended up taking to the um, to the procedure because some, some people don't and they continue to have problems for the rest of their lives. Um, touch wood, I've not had any problems um, since, because um, you can, can end up getting something called pouchitis, which is basically ulcerous, it's kind of like ulcerative colitis, but in the um, internal pouch, which can create all kinds of complications. Wow, so, I have so, yeah. such sympathy for your journey. I really, really appreciate what you've been through, because I've been there myself, so I understand the symptoms. I certainly, my, my condition did not progress in the same way that you did, but then um, there's there's uh, 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 so many different permutations of how this disease gets um, uh, gets expressed. So, for those of you who are listening who want to learn more about this inspiring, inspiring, wonderful uh, gentleman, 
please, theplantpoweredpt.com. There's also a seven-day course that you can subscribe to by inserting your email. And I think that for anyone who has ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, digestive concerns, malabsorption, anyone who has issues that have not yet been diagnosed, going to a plant-based diet has proven beneficial for me uh, and and also for Adam. But um, yeah, just give it a go. It's a seven-day course. Just give it a try. Um, just a... Going off to off our uh, questions, having the glamour of being a model and yet the lack of glamour of talking about poo in general, which I find quite interesting. Um, do, yeah. do, do you find that quite quite ironic? You know, because you have to pose and smile and be happy, and yet inside you're gurgling, you're worried about going to the bathroom every two seconds. I don't know. Do, do, is there something you can say on it, that? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was that, that's that the whole experience is a really fascinating um, insight into life and just having to deal with some stuff I never ever thought I'd ever have to deal with you know I went from kind of shooting the front cover of um, Healthy for Men magazine being in in tip-top shape um, and then a month later I had my first operation and um, I when I got back and I was healthy again I still had um, a colostomy bag I I was I carried on modeling but there would be times where I'd be doing a shoot and I'd Colostomy bag would be tucked into the trousers, and the stylist would be coming up, sort of removing the clothes, and you know, making sure. And so I was kind of quite conscious of it. But for me, I always made an effort to tell people about it rather than hide it. Um, I always much preferred um, people to know what I was going through, that so that they, you know, so they'd understand, and so I wouldn't have to feel like I was trying to hide anything from anyone. Um, so yeah, for me it was a real, it was a really big lesson in surrendering and accepting where you are. You know, that's not a defeatist attitude. It's like, well, okay, I've been dealt this hand of cards. I have to now um, deal with it. Um, there's no use crying and and you know saying what if and why me. You just got to get on with it and um, uh, and learn. You know, try and learn as much from the experience as you can. And I, you know, I got on with my life. I remember going clubbing um, still with when I had my clusterme bag and taking spare colostomy bags with me to, to the club and you know so I could change my colostomy bag if I had to at some point during the night. That's really um, fantastic. Having uh, yeah, you know, and having having sort of sex, sexual partners as well, you know, when you've got a colostomy bag is a really tough thing to let go uh, in terms of your self confidence. Um so that was an, another interesting situation to sort of find myself in and you know, and it does does just it helps you to learn more about who you are, I think, and helps you to let certain things go. Yeah, um, and it's and, also and, a, a question of judgment. So I have had sex with somebody with a colostomy bag, and yeah. he found me to be very empathetic, understanding, and I, I, I didn't mm. care really. I was just into him, his mind, and I found him attractive in, in multi, uh, multiple ways. Did you find the reaction yeah. of certain partners to be, oh, what's that? Or, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Did you find different reactions, and how did that affect you psychologically? Okay. So, yeah, so first of all, having sex with a colostomy bag is like having sex with a bag of crisps between you, I used to say. It was quite funny. There would be this, like, rustling going on. So I used to laugh about that. But what it did do is totally restored my faith in um, in, in human beings, especially, you know, females, actually. Um, it was, yeah, it was amazing. It didn't, it didn't bother them one bit. Um, and they, they were sympathetic empathetic you know um and it, and it just it was never a, it was never a problem so it made, made me suddenly realize oh if it's not a problem for them it's not a problem for me you know so 
um, yeah, so that was a really, a really nice feeling of, um, like I said, restoring my faith in people. Okay, so let's talk about plant-based nutrition. So I was yeah. vegan for three months. Um, I oh. Yeah, so I have tried it and I, I do like it. And I think that eventually we're all going to turn that way. I think we'll, we'll turn to insects first and then we'll go to... I'm, I'm talking globally. Um, uh, however, what's helped me with my uh, ulcerative colitis, but also my clients, is this idea of no processed food. And they follow typical sort of paleo, I suppose, um, and no, no processed food, no processed thoughts, so no n negative self-talk, and no processed people. By that I mean, if certain personality types stress you out, stress has a huge impact on inflammation, so it's about reducing that altogether. Let's go back to the diet and focusing on plant-based nutrition. So, the the um, I love the vegan ethos. I can't think of any carnivore. Who can listen to the compelling arguments of the vegan movement and the achievements that they have done uh, over the last decade, certainly, and, and not be bought in to at least some of their of their way of thinking? Um, I just wish that so, it wouldn't come across so much like a cult, but actually, it should come across like a good idea that we should all sort of convert <laughs> to to to. to um, so anyway, so that's my idea. So at the moment, I am paleo with no processed food. Tell me, did you transition? From from that into vegan, you've been vegan for five years. So tell me about your journey there. Yeah, um, so I at the end of 2013, I did my last fitness show. Um, I'd done a lot of training for it. I picked up a bit of a shoulder injury. I um, got something called bursitis in my shoulder. And so when I came into 2014, there was a point where I actually couldn't lift up any weights in the gym. My shoulder injury was so bad, um, and I had to totally reevaluate the way I'd been training. Um, you know, trying to put on muscle and and um, and train kind of like a bodybuilder, um, and then through that kind of um, realization, I, I also sort of then took a step back from what I was eating, and it suddenly dawned on me that I probably didn't need to eat the same amount of animal protein that I'd been eating to try and put on muscle because I was because I wasn't training the way that I had been. Um, so that and that made me also you know, look at the way I'd been living and I felt like I was in a kind of animal protein prison feeling that I couldn't I couldn't have a meal without having some form of animal protein in it and without feeling like I was lacking or I was going to kind of lose all my kind of gains that I'd worked so hard for in the gym. And, um, and I started just to think, you know, how unsustainable the way I'd been living was and actually how long, if I was going to be on this planet for another 50 years, did I want to have to count my calories? Did I want to have to eat 200, 250 grams of protein every day? You know, what, did I really want to be doing this? So it made me become a lot more mindful um, of where my animal protein was coming from. I initially just just thought, well, I'm just going to kind of um, eat less of it and just get it from more ethical sources, spend a bit more on it and, and get better quality. And um I then ended up going to a friend's dinner party in September 2014. Um, she cooked this amazing, it was, like a, it was a dinner party, she cooked this amazing raw lasagna, raw vegan lasagna, raw vegan chocolate cake. And I was totally blown away by the incredible flavours in the food. And it, I just suddenly felt, wow, I could eat like this all the time. And it, was, it was the first time I'd been exposed to really good vegan cooking. Um, and then about... Later on that month, I went to a sort of spiritual retreat, and, and the retreat required you to be on a vegan diet to to go um, to go on to this retreat. So it was a good opportunity for me to sort of try it out again, not not really intending to go fully vegan, 
Um, I came back after the retreat. It was about three or four days long. It felt amazing. And I thought, well, do you know what? I'm going to try, um, try pescatarian for, for a month. So I went pescatarian for a month. So just had my eggs, fish uh, and dairy in there. And I thought, oh, I'll try, try vegetarian now. So I kind of narrowed it down, went vegetarian for a month. And that month of being vegetarian, I decided to watch three um, three documentaries, um, one of which was Cowspiracy, um, which kind of attacks the, the whole um, animal, ag- it attacks the whole argument for the animal agriculture causing um, a huge proportion of global greenhouse gas emissions. And it highlighted the effect my food choices were having on the environment. And that was the first time I'd really even dared to think about it. Um, I then watched, um, about a week later, I watched a video. It was a lecture by a, a, an animal activist called Gary Rosky, who um, is based in the States, and he was giving a, a talk at a university. Um, and he put together this really compelling talk, and he had sort of slides showing different footage from animal slaughterhouses and stuff. And about halfway through watching this, I just burst into tears, and I, I just it just suddenly dawned on me how complicit I'd been and how... Uh, in my uh, the food choices that I've been making without any form of um, attachment to the, the trauma and the suffering that had been going on just so I could get enough protein every day, day in, day out, so I could fill my freezer every week with chicken breast and steak and mince and all these kind of food groups, not having once given any form of thought to the, the trauma that the animals were actually going through to create this. And um, the penny just started really dropping for me at that point. Um, and then a couple of days later, I watched another documentary called Earthlings, um, which is a which is a pretty dark and difficult uh, documentary to watch. And at the end of that, I was I was done. I decided to kind of uh, yeah, I decided to make the change. And that was five years this month. Um, and so yeah, so it was kind of a little bit of a gradual change, and then in the early days, I did lose about three kilos. Um, but for me, looking back, it kind of makes sense to me, really. You know, like you know, your body can adapt to anything that you give give it. But if you've eaten a huge quantity of meat for about thirty six years, and you you then completely switch your your nutrition um, sources, your body's going to have to start adapting to um, new sources of amino acids. Okay, so this is very, very important. So sorry for interrupting you there. You lost three mm. kilos, and do we know what they, that can... You're, you're speaking like it's muscle. So let's talk about... Well, so, so let me... Yeah, if I just finish what I was going to say. In that, so for me, it made total sense that my body was having to find amino acids from new sources. And so I should think, yeah, it was breaking down um, muscle tissue to, to get those amino acids. Um, and so... You know, it made sense that I lost a little bit of weight. This doesn't happen for everyone, but it it happened to me. I don't know whether it was to do with not having a large intestine, um, but it kind of made nutritional sense to me. And then it probably it probably took me a couple of months. Yeah, it was probably about four to eight weeks then of just kind of regaining the weight. Um, I had a, I put a little bit of dairy back in my diet for a couple of weeks. And then it came out again, and then the eggs came in, came out again, and then um, I added um, some. I started taking creatine, uh, creatine monohydrate, which is a really good supplement if you're on a plant-based diet, if you're strength training, um, and that helped me actually to regain a lot of my muscle mass and weight again. Is that vegan? Um, is that what? Sorry. Is creatine vegan? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, creatine monohydrate. I mean, it's one of the best supplements that you can get. It's been highly, it's been studied a lot. Um, it, it just works really well, um, and it, and it's pretty cost effective as well. So the, you don't get a natural source of creatine on a on a plant based diet, whereas you'd normally get it from steak and chicken. And of course, you're um, you use creatine to produce energy in the body. Uh, and I found when you're, when I was strength training in the gym, I was just initially in the early days, I was kind of felt like I was lacking a little bit of power. Um, and I added creatine back into my diet. It helped with the sort of power in the gym, and it helped to give my muscles again more kind of fullness. But it also acts as a cell volumizer, so it attracts. It draws water into the muscles as well. So, um, yeah, it really helped to give my body back that kind of that fullness and, and help me put back on the weight. Cool. So I have a lot of respect for what you've done. And mm. I'm going to explain a bit about my process to help me help the clients that want to go vegan because I, I don't feel equipped, that I don't feel I'm the right person for them. So when I measure somebody's body composition, I take their lean mass and I convert that in kilograms into pounds and I give I prescribe if you like um, a gram of protein per pound of uh, lean mass per day sometimes up to three grams and if you were on 250 grams of protein a day we're, we're getting close to that and if you're a high performance athlete you will need quite a lot of protein every day so I struggled to uh, put my clients on a vegan diet that had adequate amounts of protein to increase lean muscle um, without increasing also the carbohydrate content because I'm a fan of of vegan protein, particularly Sun Warrior mm -hmm. and, and Free Soul, all these vegan protein powders. I only recommend vegan protein powders because I'm anti-dairy and I was surprised yeah. uh, because I find dairy inflammatory, particularly for ulcerative colitis, etc. So I struggled to keep the carbohydrate down. So is there an argument for being largely plant-based, having lean protein in when you're obese, when you get down and your body can metabolize carbohydrates better, then it's a, it's going to be easier for them to stay lean once they're lean on a vegan diet. I'm just okay. wondering, you know? No, okay, so so my my realization having come onto the other side of the fence is that I was overeating protein. That you don't need as much as you think you need, and it's a, and it's um, and it's a massive. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's the kind of fitness and bodybuilding's world's obsession with protein that's created this sort of. We obviously need it. It's important, but it um, you realise that you don't need as much as you think you need. So when I was on a meat-based diet, I was eating about two hundred and fifty grams plus, um, and on a plant-based diet, I would probably aim for around one hundred and fifty, one hundred and sixty grams. Mm -hmm. and still be getting fairly similar results um, because you're kind of you're, you're getting other nutrients and there's amino acids in, in all the plant foods that you're eating as well so you actually realize that you need you don't need as much so I'm probably if I'm making recommendations for clients generally I'll recommend 20 to 25 percent of their daily tap cap from, um, from protein um, so obviously that's in relation to what their what their body weight is um, and it's absolutely fine. Um, for people, yeah, who, who are overweight, who are struggling with sort of carbohydrates and you want to have them on a, on a higher fat approach, then um, it's, it's still easy to do. You just, um, you just have to increase the fat levels in their foods um, and 
have more fibrous vegetables, you know, don't have so many grains and starchy root vegetables and, um, you know, focus on more, more kind of, you, you are still going to get carbohydrates. If you, if you, if you stick to whole food plant proteins, such as lentils and beans, you are going to get a portion of carbohydrates. But I think when it's mixed with a whole lot of other fibrous, um, cruciferous vegetables, um, and other fats as well, I think that it has a good, a good effect on their sort of their blood sugar and stuff. So um, it's still quite easy to eat a high high fat, low carb diet as, as a vegan. And I do it. I was doing it during the summer myself. Um, yeah, um, it works pretty well. Yeah. The, the questions that I pose are not to to challenge you in any way. It's just to. I want to ask the nitty gritty questions that are going in my clients and, and possibly your clients' minds uh, when they're making the shift. A lot of clients mm, go yeah, from sure. meat to I don't eat red meat to I go to sustainably sourced to pescatarian, oh, I'll just have eggs. And then they go plant-based, but they'll still wear a leather handbag. Uh, and then they go vegan altogether where they don't e even, you know, skincare and no leather products. So uh, un understanding mm. that, but very much from a health perspective so french fries are still vegan so that's just something to be aware of so the health conscious vegan living um i will say that um so i was vegan for three months i i did feel more spiritually connected i can honestly say that and i wasn't expecting that um i felt cleaner strange but this is just my subjective view um i found that the increased legumes and beans caused me ulcerative colitis symptoms just being honest um, I would have no objection to going back to to uh, up, up that again. I just want to address that, you know, um, and I, I think that it would be healthier for the planet, certainly. Um, so, yeah, I'm just sh showing sh sharing my notebook yeah, with you. No, 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 it's brilliant. No, 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 great. Really, really good questions. I think they're really important. So m my biggest ethos is it's all about progress, not perfection. And, like, it's much better that... Someone who eat meat, eats meat seven days a week now only eats meat four days a week. So I'm, I'm very much kind of work on the, the, I much prefer sort of reductionist route because that's how we're going to make big, big time sustainable change. And there's nothing on this planet that works 100% of the time for 100% of the people. Um, and to suggest otherwise is crazy. So, you know, you could still have a, you could, if you ate a steak once a week and for the rest of the time ate a plant-based diet, um, you'd be having a huge impact on the planet in a really positive way. Um, so that's that's my kind of ethos in terms of progress, not perfection. And then I think what's really important is, from a nutritional coaching point of view, even even if we're not talking about necessarily transitioning people onto a vegan diet, but getting someone just to eat a healthier diet, someone's got an issue with, so say for for example, if a client had a problem with drinking Coke and they and they drank 10 litres of Coke every week, I wouldn't say to them immediately, I want you to cut out all that Coke and go cold turkey. We'd be like, okay, in week one, let's try and cut it down to six litres. And you'd have that kind of gradient approach to, to them reducing um, the negative effects of these, these different food groups in their life. And I think that's how we should approach um, transitioning people onto a plant-based diet because it can take some people couple of years to fully make that transition and I was having this conversation the other day with someone and I, I, I kind of realized that well when I was a meat eater I never ate a, a meal that was just beans and vegetables ever 
you know, I had probably a chili con carne with a few kidney beans in it, or maybe the odd bit of a lentil dal in a in an Indian, you know. Um, so my body was totally unaccustomed to to having that level of, of fiber and, um, and and beans in in my diet. So, um, so I think that's why it's important to do it slowly, because I think your body can then build up the enzymes and the ability to absorb and digest all these all these um, nutrients better. Um, obviously, there are going to be cases where it doesn't exactly work for some people um, and you've just got to work your way around it. And I think it's that's why it's really important to keep this progress, not perfection approach. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, but I think it, it's better to do a little bit rather than nothing at all. And we live in a society where people are either going all chips in or all chips out. And, um, you know, we're not going to change the world and make it a better place if, if we have that attitude. We have to kind of think, okay, let's, if we can't, there's perfect. That, that would be great if everyone was perfect, but perfect doesn't exist. So, so what's the next level down? You know, how do we get people to progress and improve their life and improve their diet that's going to have an impact, not just on their individual health, to on the collective health? And I think this is where the conversation needs to go um, now. And I'm... I'm not a fan of the vegan movement when it talks of very in, in very much sort of absolutes, you know, our diet's better than yours or this will improve your health and that's bad. I much prefer the vegan movement now to get to a point where we say, okay, well, look, there's another way of eating and living that can provide everything that, that, that your diet can. Um, it can be just as healthy. Um, so there's, a, there's, there's another way so rather than being elitist and saying we're better than you. So once we get to that point and we agree that there's another way of eating and living that's, that's just as good as the other, we then need to look at what's the differentiating factor between the two of them. And for me, the only black and white arguments um, and unbiased arguments is, is, the, is the ethical and the environmental impact that an animal ag- a diet that's heavy on animal agriculture um, products is going to have on the, the trauma to animals and also to the environment. And I think that's that's where the conversation needs to go. It's like, okay, that's the diet you're eating, but okay, let's stop just looking at the health of the individual. Let's start looking at the collective health of the planet because at the end of the day, you know, 8 billion people can't eat grass-fed beef. It might be a far greater nutri- you know, nutrient-dense product, but it's only a tiny percentage of the population that are ever going to be able to afford that and if we want to make big systemic change around the world then we need to adopt a way of living that's um that's suitable for, for everyone on the planet yeah okay tell us about your trip in ibiza that you have planned next year i've changed the topic you've got a retreat in ibiza next year yeah, yeah. Um, with a friend of my, good friend of mine, Joe, who's also my Reiki master. So we're doing a retreat with a company called Naval House. Um, we've got a, it's going to be a, a, a villa in Ibiza. Um, it's a five-day retreat, so it's going to be a mixture of movement, animal flow, meditation, cacao ceremonies, ecstatic dancing. We're going to do some sound healing. Um, yeah, all that kind of cool stuff. So I'm, a, I'm also a level two Reiki practitioner as well. Uh, my friend Jo, who I've known for 12 years, she's my Reiki master as well. So, um, yeah, we've been friends for, for a long, long time, um, and it should be a lot of fun and bring some really good energy into the space. 
Adam, so you've been right, amazing. Yeah, it's be a great, great event. Uh, you offer one-on-one -on -one training in, in Wandsworth and you also have an, a, a coaching app. All of this can be found on the plantpoweredpt.com. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, great. And um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll edit this and send it to you. And th thank you so much for your time and your insights. And you've been really inspiring. Cool. All right, well, no, thanks. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate um, being able to talk about all this stuff. Great. Have a good night. All Bye. right. Thanks, Stephanie. Bye-bye. So that was really interesting. What I will say is that most of my clients want to lose fat, build muscle. And if they have emotional eating issues, having the satiety that protein brings to each meal is really useful when you're trying to uh, deal with cravings um, and also to maintain lean muscle mass. So how much protein do you actually need is is a good question. I explained my process, so should it should that resonate with you, um, then that 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 then you you're more than welcome to follow it. So a gram of protein per pound of lean muscle, uh, of, of lean body weight, sorry. So your body is composed of bone, lean muscle and fat. You want to lose fat and not muscle. So with um, we have bioelectrical impedance, but you can get a DEXA scan if you want to measure just how much protein, um, sorry, how much lean you have in your body and how much fat you have, and you want to lose fat and not muscle. So the lean that you have in pounds and you have a gram of protein per pound, or two grams of protein per pound, or three, depending on how hard you train. Now, if you're going to go on a vegan diet, there's some things that you need to consider, so we need to do things intelligently, and I'm happy to do this with clients. It's just not been my expertise, just being honest. So you obviously, you always have to have less calories than you burn with a vegan diet that is going to be a bit tougher to keep your insulin levels low because the carbohydrate intake will naturally be higher because vegan protein sources have a higher carbohydrate content. So there are 21 amino acids that make up protein. So we need to plan our meals carefully to make sure that we are getting adequate amounts of all of these amino acids in a vegan diet. The other thing is FODMAPs. So a lot of you have reduced the amount of FODMAP foods in your diet, beans, legumes, because these have had an inflammatory effect on your digestive lining. So we have to rely on those sources in order to make up a vegan diet. So we might need to look at digestive enzymes or other systems to break that down so we don't get the bloating and the symptoms. And you will have to increase your cardio and your exercise in general to burn off the additional calories and the carbohydrates that have now increased uh, in order to hit those protein levels. If you don't eat enough protein, you will lose fat and muscle. And I don't really want that for you. And the last thing is we will need to supplement with B12, vitamin D, long-chain omega-3s, iodine, iron, calcium, and zinc. So if you're happy taking supplements, that's fine. So I've got a plan of how to go vegan if you want to go vegan. Maybe you want to do this in six months. I don't know. Maybe you want to do it now. That's fine. That's the plan that I've got so far. That's my working model. And as he said, 
progress, not perfection. So we start where we are and we progress from there. But he was such an interesting uh, person. I'm so just so glad to have the uh, the privilege of another person with ulcerative colitis, Mr. Adam Stansbury, on the show, the Plant Powered PT. <laughs>